Thanks for checking out this episode of the Screen Facts with Jason Davis podcast. In each episode, we discuss a movie, share some trivia facts during the conversation. We do our best to release new episodes frequently. Always check on Wednesdays for the latest from us, okay? Please like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash screenfacts. You can post your comments or questions. You can also tweet me at Jason Davis Voice or email screenfacts at yahoo.com. For details about all the different ways to listen to the podcast, including finding the past episodes of the show, please visit jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast. Well, joining me on this episode is a man that I have been missing. He hasn't been in here with me for a while, and I'm grateful to have him here. The Blazer is back. Brian Berkowitz. Hello, sir. Hey, Jason. Great to be back. It's been a little bit too long. I think the last time I was here, we met the Phantom of the Park with Kiss. Did Has it not? been that long? I believe it oh, was. Man. Now, so uh, it's been a little too long. The holidays took their toll on me scheduling-wise, but I'm here, I'm back, and I'm ready to rock. Fantastic. This was actually a movie that we talked about doing in November because of the election. It actually is apropos for this week for this to be coming out because of the inauguration of President-elect Trump. So we're going to talk about a presidential movie today. A great one, in fact. The American President, directed by Rob Reiner, originally released November 17th, 1995, stars Michael Douglas, Annette Bening, Martin Sheen, Michael J. Fox, Anna Devere Smith, Samantha Mathis, and Richard Dreyfuss. Written by the great Aaron Sorkin, estimated budget of $62 million, domestic gross of $60 million, worldwide gross $107.8 million, and another $30 million in rentals, filmed January through April 1995. You know, it's funny. I recognize that this movie is old, and I say old, it's where we go to 22 years now, mm-hmm. but uh, I would not think that if you think about it. Like, it seems timely. Yeah. Actually, that was one of the things, uh, watching it in preparation for the podcast, that struck me was how much of the stuff in this movie really made me think about the most recent Wait a election. Second. I was supposed to watch the movie? <laughs> I'm sorry. I know you watched the no, movie. I, did. I absolutely watched it and loved it as I always do. Yeah. It's a great flick. And we can never say enough about how great Aaron Sorkin is. His writing is, is just off the charts good, you, man. You know, I mean, obviously, you know that I am an. Sorkin fanatic. Yes, hence why we're talking about this movie. Correct. You know, I'm also a huge West Wing fanatic. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to the West Wing Weekly podcast, which is fantastic for us West Wing fans. They talk a lot about Aaron Sorkin reuses themes, reuses dialogue, and not in a bad way. It's creative, and it kind of makes the whole world interact. And after listening to that podcast so much, I'm noticing that this movie, there's a lot of it that actually was reused terms, names, uh, character names in the West Wing. Oh, I, I didn't realize character. I mean, certainly the walk and talk thing that he does like in, well not he does that's kind of a thing in his in his movies or tv shows on the west wing was he a director too or just no, the he, was, he was he was a, he was the writer he, okay. he he was the created the show and okay. also wrote and uh, wrote the show and what i'm learning now is he had a writer's room and he shared writing credits at times but basically he was writing the west wing and sports night at the same time oh, they wow. were they were living an insane schedule really is the mind on this guy is ridiculous and also the people he surrounds himself with mm-hmm. and you know we notice on this there's actually a whole bunch of people on this movie that were in the west wing okay joshua molina is mm-hmm. in it woman who plays his press secretary plays nancy mcnally on the west wing not to mention that we have martin sheen in it and it's funny that martin sheen plays the president on the west wing but he's the chief of staff in this movie. And wasn't there that line in this movie? Why don't you run for something? What, what, yeah, how, what? How's the view from the cheap seats, yeah, AJ? Yeah. What do you say? You'd be the you'd be the most well liked uh, professor at the University of Wisconsin. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 
So, to which he says, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> which, as we know, right? We're yeah. On the short list of PG-rated movies, right? Yeah, PG-13 uh, movies with fuck in it. That, that's kind of a rare thing. But this one, uh, I think there's a couple F-bombs in this movie, actually. I've always enjoyed this movie. I just think it's such a great story. It's it's a relatively simple story. It's a love story. It's a political story. It's well-written. It's well-acted. Uh, there's a little bit of humor in there. It's just really, really well done. And, of course, you can't say enough about Rob Reiner. I mean, earlier this month, Eric and I talked about Stand By Me on the podcast. Yep. Another Rob Reiner film. I kind of realized he's one of my favorite directors. And one of the things that I think is kind of a reoccurring theme that I hear or read anytime I talk about Rob Reiner is that any of the actors who work with him love working with him because he is an actor's director. Seems like what you see is what you get with him. Yeah, absolutely. And he brings out the best in people. Absolutely. So this movie was nominated at the Oscars for Mark Shaman's score. It also received Golden Globe nominations for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, as well as nominations for Best Actor and Actress for Michael Douglas and Annette Bening. You know, Richard Dreyfuss in this film was so good that mm-hmm. I forget he's Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah. He didn't seem like the Richard Dreyfuss I, I, I know and love. He was so... I don't know if he was juxtaposed from what in my mind is Richard Dreyfuss, but mm-hmm. he was phenomenal. I, like I said, I forget Richard Dreyfuss was in this movie because his character was so convincing. He plays that slimy <laughs> politician guy really, really well. Ah, uh, I don't want to get too political when we talk about this movie because <laughs> I think everybody's had their fill of politics and the election and everything else. And also, this movie lives in a world where the politicians are, whether love or hate our current politicians, mm-hmm. are the politicians that we wish that our elected officials, all of them, not right. Republican, Democrat, etc., would strive to be where they're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to right. do the right thing. And, you know, I always thought the main theme of the West Wing, which, again, very similar from this, was that they said a good man can't get elected president. You right. Right. And in um, this movie, Andrew Shepard was a good man. Yeah. And there's a couple of scenes, and we'll talk about it as we get a little bit further into the podcast. There's specific scenes in the movie where I actually went in and I made a note of some of the quotes because I, I feel like they really hit home when I watched the movie in preparation for the podcast. So we'll talk about that in, in a couple of minutes. A couple of things I wanted to point out on this. First of all, Michael Douglas is great across the board. Oh, absolutely. Annette Benning, in my opinion, and I don't say it enough or, or like her movies enough she really is one of the true Hollywood beauties I mean she is uh, I saw her at the Golden Globes the other night she's beautiful and, I agree uh, and I also think she's very underrated as an actress yeah she was phenomenal in this excellent and um, Martin Sheen of course you know I'm a fan Michael J. Fox was outstanding in this and mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox I know they say he modeled himself after George Stephanopoulos, Mm -hmm. who I think also Josh Lyman, which is Bradley Whitford's character on The West Wing, Mm -hmm. um, clearly Sorkin had that character in mind when he had written Lewis Rothschild's character. Mm -hmm. Michael J. Fox was great. Samantha Mathis was outstanding. Little Girl played Lucy Shepard was great. David Paymer. Don't forget David Paymer. He's incredible. Now, he was, I think he was in the movie Crazy People, which I'm a big fan of, with Daryl Hannah. Love that movie. He's the one who said hello all the time, right? And I haven't (laughs) watched that since I've seen it last when it first came out out but he was so good in this and so likable in this typical Sorkin makes you love the characters you don't need to know their backstory to feel like you know their backstory yeah David Pamer is one of those guys he's a character actor he's worked with a lot of great people Billy Crystal is another one of my favorites he's worked with Billy Crystal a couple of times Sue and I watched a movie that Billy Crystal did also in the 90s called Mr. Saturday Night sure he played his brother right he played his brother and he was actually nominated for an Oscar for that role it was I've never great seen that movie. but I, I know this scene I have a friend of mine great movie uh, my friend eric who likes to reference that movie a lot yeah it's really and, good and uh 
No, it's a good movie. But he, it's funny, in his younger years, he always reminded me of Larry from The Three Stooges. <laughs> yeah, he has that sort of nebbishy kind of quality, right? And it was a cool name, right? Leon Kodak. That's yes. a great name. Yeah, absolutely. I bring that up because all these actors in here, they really, you know, if they made a stew, the stew was delicious. They threw they threw oh, yeah. different things in and... Uh, it was, it was just a great movie. So, yeah, so I mentioned David Paymer was nominated for an Oscar. There are three Oscar winners in the cast, Michael Douglas, Richard Dreyfuss, and Aaron Sorkin. In addition to David Paymer, Annette Bening was also an Oscar nominee. A lot of great talent in the cast. Did you sure. catch Aaron Sorkin in the movie? He always has cameos, He right? played the staffer sitting at the bar where he was eating olives while he was saying... Oh, okay. Uh, and I wasn't sure if it was him. I had to go look it up, but it was absolutely him. Okay. We were talking about uh, Michael Douglas and how good he is. Interestingly, he was not the first choice to play President Shepard. Robert Redford was originally cast in the role. Unfortunately, he had a falling out with Rob Reiner, and that's what led to Michael Douglas coming in to replace him. Honestly, I don't think they could have done better than Michael Douglas. I thought he was so good. Originally, the president was written as a, a military veteran, a special ops agent. Yeah, Michael Douglas just crushes this role. I mean, he's so good and so believable. I said this when, when Sue and I did a podcast for Dave back in November, how presidents in the movies or on TV usually are always the kind of people we'd like to see be our president for real. And I think that we could do a lot worse than having uh, President Andrew Shepard the way he's written. It's an idyllic world. I mean, those are the things we wanted to see. We, like, again, we want to we trust our elected officials. You want to see people be nice. Yeah, let's, but let's talk about it. It's not like it's a fantasy land where everything goes right and everything's perfectly utopian and everything else. I mean, he has to make some really important decisions as a president in this movie. This movie has this sort of sweet romantic comedy love story underbelly, right? Throughout the whole movie with Benning and Douglas. But there's still some serious presidential stuff, he too. Had a, he had to blow up a building. Right. Which, by the way, they called it a proportional response, which was an early West Wing episode titled Proportional Response. Oh, Very okay. similar issue. So it's another connection on there. Yeah, and he says, you know, somebody has to explain the virtue of a proportional response to me. And that, I think, is verbatim out of the West Wing as well. Okay. The way uh, he handles that whole thing where they're they're sitting around the table and he's trying to decide to whether or not he wants to attack. And he's trying to find out what's the least amount of people that are going to be in that building. Civilians. Who's there? Janitorial staff. You know, some guy is leaving his house right now. Doesn't right. know that. But 15 minutes ago, I gave the order to kill him. Or right. It? Exactly. And at one point, David Paymer's character says it was very presidential, and he goes, "Well, I, I didn't do it for a pres- political gain. Yeah, but you could because what you did was very presidential." And he said, well, killing a, an innocent guy is the least presidential thing I do. Right. And I, and I think that's super powerful, the way that's it's real, written. It's a real statement. Difficult decisions. Yeah, exactly. It's a very quotable movie, actually. Oh, yeah. Ted Cruz, on the presidential campaign trail, did quote this movie. When Donald Trump was criticizing Cruz's wife... If Donald wants to get into a character fight, he's better off stick with me because Heidi is way out of his league. Right. Referencing the speech President Shepard made about the attacks on Sidney Allen Wade. And I remember seeing it going, that's from the American president. That's part of that great speech at the end of the movie in the press room when he basically just kind of wings it. Everybody's kind of criticizing him because he's not coming back at Rumson, uh, you know, Richard Dreyfuss's character. But when he says America isn't easy, America is an advanced citizenship, you got to want it bad because it's going to put up a fight. It's going to say, you want free speech? Let's see you acknowledge a man who's 
words make your blood boil, who's standing center stage and advocating at the top of his lungs that which you would spend a lifetime opposing at the top of yours. You want to claim this land as the land of the free? Well, then the symbol of your country can't just be a flag. The symbol also has to be one of its citizens exercising his right to burn that flag in protest. Now, I'm not somebody who wants to see people burning the American flag, but that's constitutional. Right? They better not do it on my watch, but it is kind of Yeah, I don't, I don't want to see people doing that. But one of the great things about our country is that you do have the freedom to criticize. Well, that's sort of our fundamental rights because we, yeah. we, we left places and it's still places in the world. If you criticize your leaders, you die for it. Right. You get angry when you see people picketing, but you know that's what America is, is about. Yeah. And um, you know, you're right. It's a very good point. And I think that it's our responsibility as Americans to criticize when no. things are happening in our political system that don't make sense. Again, I don't want to turn this into a whole political conversation, but it's really impossible to talk about a movie like this and not think about where we're heading as a country. 95, what was I, 25 years old, 24, 25 years old when this movie came out? It was a different world than when we mm -hmm. live in today. Not, not just whether we like or dislike our leaders, but it's a safe world. This is a pre-9-11 movie. I mean, this is really, looking back on it, this time period is probably going to look a lot like La La Land. You know, this movie, I thought, for someone who's not looking to get so much of an education in politics, but just wants to see the day-by-day -day operations, because honestly, I haven't seen this movie in years. Mm -hmm. As a, you know, 46-year-old attorney, right. I recognize the role of government. But yeah, when we were younger, we knew stuff was going on, but that's not what was our main thing yeah. that we cared about. Right. We wanted to go see bands and right. shit so, like that. It wasn't... <laughs> exactly. But I'm saying is I watched this movie with, did you ever see an interview with a vampire? Mm -hmm. And when- um, I don't really remember it. Well, it was a while but ago. But basically when Lestat turns Brad Pitt's character into the uh, vampire mm -hmm. and he's done gone through the metamorphosis, he says to him, open and look at the world for the first time through your vampire eyes. And he sees statues moving and basically seeing things that we don't know were there. Okay. And um, I kind of felt watching this movie, my more mature adult mind picked up so many different things that I mm -hmm. didn't even know about. I enjoyed watching it that much more also. It was great 20 plus years ago, but it was great today. And right. as we always say, that's a good sign of a good movie. I don't think I've had a movie that we've talked about because we probably wouldn't discuss it if the movie right. didn't hold up. And that really seems to be the general theme of your podcast. Sure. I think I think every movie we've talked about on the podcast yeah. holds up, you yeah. know, at least to us. Right. You know, if, if there might be people listening going, eh, you know, Rockstar was fun when I watched it the first time. I don't know if I really want to see it again. I'm here and you're here because we love movies. Right. And I think the, that your taste can change too. Absolutely. You know, you could see something 20 years ago and you kind of, maybe it left you a little flat and then you see it now and maybe it speaks to you differently. A good example of that is for love of the game. One of my favorites. I'm a big baseball movie guy. I love baseball movies, but that one in particular, when I first saw it, it didn't strike a chord with me for whatever reason. See, and then and then you talked about it. I watched it again and I really enjoyed it. It's one of my favorite sports movies. Again, I'm not a huge sports fan. How could you not get wrapped up in something yeah, like that? Yeah, it was and, it was very engrossing for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a uh, you know, what a wonderful thing to do to sit down with your friend and talk about movies. I think if anything speaks to what your podcast about is that's really what it is. It's getting the opportunity to spend time with your friends, mm -hmm. talk about movies and so on if it's being recorded, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and you know, that's that's always good, but bringing it back to this though. Yeah. So, talking about a simpler time, a better time, everything like that. This movie was good. It was real. Great love story, mm -hmm. but had the seriousness in the background. And, uh, 
you know, it's very tough. And, you know, there were parts in it where he, she's saying, you know, did their lobbyists just say that? He's saying, no, AJ, uh, she's uh, sitting said it to my her boyfriend, yeah, exactly. her boyfriend and, in front of and her, and her his best friend. Right. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Are we, yeah. it's, it's almost like having a boss at a job and saying, I'm always your boss. If we're out drinking beer, you're my boss. I'm always your boss, you right. know, and being able to turn that on or off. And also, how about the fact that this guy deserved a life? He lost his wife, mm-hmm. lost, lost her to cancer, as he said, right? Mm-hmm. That's a thankless job being the president. Why would anybody want that job if you're the best the worst right to be determined anything you're going to spend half the country is going to hate you right and um why shouldn't this guy be happy why on earth shouldn't he be happy and you know one of the things i wanted to say too is is aaron sorkin's writing is so good that he can weave this little romantic comedy into this movie about some serious stuff too and the dialogue between michael douglas and annette benning's characters is just as good as any of the presidential stuff I mean, how about him talking about sex with the president? You know? Oh, my God. It's you know, a that, great you know, scene. They, they, it wasn't a problem for them because they weren't president when they first met. Right. The fact where she comes, where she goes in his room and talks to him and comes out wearing a shirt. Right. Don't expect the title to, you know, <laughs> that they command the military and all these other yeah, things. Don't, 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 don't expect that because uh, people refer to me as the most powerful man in the world that's, that, that that's going to, you know, indicate how uh, the sex goes pretty much. But I uh, know. But listen, <laughs> and that was great. And look, his, his, you could tell he was a good dad. You know, oh, yeah. The things, the parent-teacher conference. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, what I did want, wonder about a little bit, though, was who was with Lucy when she was in there by herself? Was she up in the residence by herself? Was there a nanny there? Was she 12 years old in the movie, I She's think? supposed to be 12, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming there was somebody there with her. You know, I'm, I'm sure if you're the president, I, you get a nanny or something. But. I think, you know, at the very least, secret service. But I, I, th- I think you can kind of assume that she's okay. Like, she's not just being unsupervised. No, she seemed fine. She seemed happy. Yeah. I always love what she says. Tell you like her shoes. Girls like that. Yeah. Did we talk about Sydney Ellen Wade? I I love that there were the three names. Yes. Like when he introduced her to the French president, mm-hmm. this is uh, Sidney Ellen Wade from the Commonwealth of Virginia. Right. I also like when he says, uh, dig it, Miss Wade, you're the president's girlfriend. Yeah. Another great scene, too, is when she first gets to the White House with uh, Wendy Malick's character, Susan. Oh, yeah, yeah. At the, with the guard? Yeah. Forgive me. This is my first time at the White House. I'm trying to savor the Capra-esque quality. And then Susan says, he doesn't know what Capra-esque means. And he's like, yeah, I do. Frank Capra, great American director. It's a Wonderful Life. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Sidney Ellen Wade of Virginia, knock him dead. Capra's grandson, Frank Capra III, was first assistant director of this movie. The stuff at Camp David is great, too, which is very cool because it's strictly off limits to the public, Camp David. I'd like to go to Camp David. What did she say? She used to go there all the time until they changed chefs? Yeah, (laughs) changed chefs, exactly. Chemistry, acting, writing. I mean, what more could you want in a movie? You know, and interesting also thinking about some of the t- things about worry about, you know, emission gases. And it's just kind of cool across the board. That was one of the things that I thought was very interesting watching the movie that here we are watching a movie from 20 plus years ago. And they're talking about gun violence and gun control and all that. And of course, global warming. And you forget that global warming has been a, a hot topic for that long. I mean, no, obviously, no, no pun intended. Yeah, by the way. but the fact that it's you know obviously become a bigger problem now—that's why this movie holds up so well, I think, because you watch it and this could have came out this year or 100%, last. Hundred percent, it still would have been great. One other quote I wanted to bring up, going back to the big speech at the end of the movie, where he says, you know, we have serious problems to solve and we need serious people to solve them. And whatever your particular problem is, I promise you, Bob Rumson is not the least bit interested in solving it. He's interested in two things and two things only, making you afraid of it and telling you who's to blame for it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how you win elections. You gather a group of middle-aged, middle-class, middle-income voters who remember with longing an easier time, and you talk to them about family and American values and character. Boy, does that sound familiar. 
We promised we wouldn't go political. That's all I'm going to say. I'm, I'm, that's all I'm gonna, and you know what? I'm not even saying just this election. I think that that goes on a lot in our political process. People get scared and they... Listen, I think everybody wants a good future. Are there any other good quotes? When Lewis says to him, you have a deeper love of this country than any man I've ever known. And I want to know what it says to you that in the past seven weeks, 59% of Americans have begun to question your patriotism. And he says, look, if the people want to listen to, they don't have a choice. Bob Rumson is the only one doing the talking. People want leadership, Mr. President. And in the absence of genuine leadership, they'll listen to anyone who steps up to the microphone. They want leadership. They're so thirsty for it, they'll crawl through the desert toward a mirage. And when they discover there's no water, they'll drink the sand. And then he says, Lewis, we've had presidents who were beloved, who couldn't find a coherent sentence with two hands and a flashlight. People don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. They drink the sand because they don't know the difference. That is Aaron Sorkin right exactly. there. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen... Brilliant. Sexual chocolate. No. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Sorkin. Mr. Randy Watson. You may remember our next guest from the What's Going Down episode of That's My Mama. Jackson Heights' his own Mr. Randy, Randy Watson. Watson. <laughs> so let your soul How do we get here? I don't know. I don't know. We just do. All right, hey, listen. <laughs> and you're, it's not like... I did do Coming to America with you, right? Yes, we so, did. I mean, I'm going just, way back. It's, it's, That'll give you motivation if you're listening yeah. right now to go back and find the episode that uh, Blazer and I did for Coming to America. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> and again, it, 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 what's, again, what's nice about the podcast is we can make a big deal over Coming to America. We can make a big deal over American President. We even do a Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. I mean, what's better than that? What's more entertaining than talking movies? Exactly. And you can find all the past episodes, like I said earlier at jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast. Details about how you can access them. I, I think we've probably covered this. What do you think? Well, I think we had a good discussion on it. <laughs> I think it's timely. I think that your loyal listeners and hopefully some new listeners mm -hmm. will appreciate something like this as we head into the inauguration and see what's next. And I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed talking about it. And the more we talk about it, I want to go home and watch it again. A plus across the board for every reason, acting, writing, everything. And it's great talking about it. And I enjoyed every minute of it. And I hope whoever's listening enjoyed this as well. Blazer, always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I'm ready, willing, and able and looking forward to the next one. Yeah. And, you know, we're trying to be real flexible with this thing. Definitely keep looking on Wednesdays for new episodes because my goal is to do at least one or two per month. We really appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. Please remember to like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash screenfacts. If you have any questions, any comments, you can post them there. Uh, you can also email us, screenfacts at yahoo.com. You can tweet me at Jason Davis Voice. Show theme music by audionautics.com. And thanks to our announcer, Kim McKay from kimsvoice.com. Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis.